Welcome to More to Come, CW Comics World's podcast of comics and graphic novel news. Here's Heidi McDonald. I'm live at Book Expo. I'm sitting here with a previous guest, Ezra Clayton Daniel. And Ezra, good to have you back. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. Yeah. Uh, we always say we're going to check back in with people, but we, we don't do it as much as we should. So the first time we talked to you was a year and a half ago when I knew, but you didn't know, that you were going to win the Dwayne McDuffie Award for your book, Upgrade Soul. And um, you had just, uh, so. The, but this book did win the award. So tell us, you know, this was kind of a big deal for you and yeah. uh, what's happened since then? Yeah, it was huge. So Upgrade Soul was a self-published book that hadn't really been seen by very many people. And after I won the Dwayne McDuffie Award, everybody there told me that my life was about to change. <laughs> and I was dubious about right. that statement, but ended up to, uh, being true. So I sold Upgrade Soul to Lion Forge. It's coming out in September uh, of this year, so it's coming out very soon. Uh, and I finished a book shortly after that that I wrote that was illustrated by Ben Passmore, the amazing Ben Passmore right. who did Your Black Friend, who's like super hot right now. So that book is going to come out next summer. We haven't announced the publisher yet, but that'll be coming out very soon. And other big news coming along uh, down the pipeline about that project. And so I'm working now on a children's book. And um, yeah, things have been really uh, exciting <laughs> for me for the past year. Wow, that's great. Now, with the, with, on the book with Ben, which uh, I'm going to space on the title because this is day three. Bottom Feeders, yeah. right? So. Uh, so what, tell us a little about that book and what it's about. Uh, Bottom Feeders is a book that we internally, uh, between Ben and I, we kind of refer to it jokingly as Black Tremors. <laughs> so it's kind of like a comedy horror uh, story that is, has a lot of like a, you know, skeleton of um, you know, social justice issues and uh, it deals with racism and gentrification in a south side Chicago neighborhood and there's a giant monster and yeah, it's just a super fun wow. book. Yeah, and Ben's art just brings so much life and yeah. well, uh, spontaneity he's phenomenal. Um, how did you two get hooked up on this? We It's kind of a funny story. We uh, met at Cake in I think 2014 and he was walking down the aisle giving people copies of his self-published book, Daglo A-Hole. And I saw him coming down the aisle and I was struck by him because he looks exactly like me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> and he is like the alternate reality version of me where he's like a little more punk and I'm a little more hipster. So it's like if I had taken a slightly different path in my life, I would be Ben. So I saw him coming down the path and I was struck by him and then he gave me a copy of his book and I was just like, this guy needs to be a household name. Like in 2014, I was like, I saw this guy's stuff and it's so singular and so confident and so beautiful. I was like, I can't believe more people don't know who this guy is. So I like grabbed him as soon as I could and I was like, can I hire you to illustrate this book? And luckily he wasn't um, doing, you know, as big a stuff as he's doing now. So he said, yeah, and we did it and, it, and it, uh, we finished it probably about six months ago mm -hmm. uh, and I couldn't be happier with it it's just right, like an amazing right. it turned out so well well that's I know you've been teasing it a bit on social media and yeah. um, you know Ben is such an amazing artist and the, the previews you put up look incredible and the storyline also is um, you know both fantastic but also so up to date I gotta tell you I mean I travel this North America quite a bit 
and uh, you know, gentrification is just a topic everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, was that something like did you want to tackle it just in terms of it being such a hot topic everywhere now? Or? Yeah, well, I mean, it's on my mind too because it's you know, every neighborhood I've ever lived in has been touched by that topic, so it's definitely something that's been on my mind. And, and the story was kind of born from me thinking about how that sort of uh, like the, that colonization mentality affects um, art too and so I was trying to draw the parallels between gentrification and cultural appropriation so the story in Bottom Feeders is on the surface about uh, gentrification but it's actually based on it follows the same path of cultural appropriation in hip-hop so all the characters represent uh, archetypes in like in the hip-hop industry so like there's the record executive and then there's like the super fan and then the two main characters are kind of loosely based on the dynamic between like Nicki Minaj and Iggy Azalea or not Iggy Azalea yeah Iggy Azalea right. like that sort of dynamic um, so yeah it's uh, there's a lot right. going there's a on. lot wow um, but of course you know Upgrade Soul uh, you know book I've raved about well I got a big blurb on it so I'm not even gonna <laughs> lie thank you but, again so much yeah but I, I, I mean I said this last time we talked but uh, you know I read it as, as a McDuffie Award judge and just you know I couldn't put it down I just could not put this book down and it's such a smart science fiction, but again, it's really multi-layered. Um, now, for this, is this edition like changed at all, or is it just like because I know you know it yeah. I mean, this project started as an interactive iPad comic, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, it's gone through a lot of different phases, and I keep every time I every time I look at it, there's changes I want to make. So I definitely mm -hmm. went through one last time and. I made a bunch of, you know, I tightened up the script a little bit, redrew a bunch of panels. Uh, so this version is going to be like the definitive version right. that has like a lot of subtle changes that most people probably wouldn't recognize, but I do think it's probably 10% better right. than any right. version anybody else has seen before. Well, it's fantastic to have the opportunity to go back and yeah, do that. Yeah, so. totally. Um, so what, uh, so you say you're writing a children's book, um, but I mean, it's interesting I mean, do you want to write more? It sounds like you've got a lot of ideas. That, yeah, well, yeah. that's the thing is I've been in this industry and doing stuff for 20 years, yeah. and I've only now had the opportunity <laughs> uh, to you know get my stuff out in the world. So I have this backlog of like all these pitches and ideas that are just like waiting to, to burst out. So yeah, like when Upgrade Soul came out and I started getting more opportunities uh, to pitch other projects, then I was just like, yeah, I've got like, here's six things that are ready to go. So let's just, let's run with it. Right, right. So you're, you're in that process right now or? Yeah, totally. So it's been really exciting and yeah, really fun. So I'm trying to just like have a constant right. uh, stream of stuff coming out right. for the next few years at least. Now you're also make films though too, right? I have, my girlfriend is an animator and we collaborated on an animated film a couple years ago that, um, yeah, it, it did really well. It screened all over the world. It was added to the permanent collection of the Whitney Museum in New York. Um, so we have loose plans to do another film together, but it's kind of, we're both really busy with other stuff, but yeah. Right, right, yeah. Well, it sounds like things are, yeah, it sounds like, because the first time we talked, things are full steam ahead. Yeah, totally. Right, yeah. yeah. Trying um, to stay on top of it. Yeah, are you, uh, I mean, are you, what do you think of coming here to Book Expo, and I mean, coming to more events like this, you know, does the uh, promotional uh, wheels grind on? Yeah, this is super exciting. This is like a totally new experience for me. It's like you know self-publishing stuff for so many years I've had to do everything myself uh, so it's really exciting and novel to have like people supporting me and helping and just like 
and being enthusiastic about my stuff, which is so weird right. to me. So yeah, like I can totally get used to this. Right, this is great. Right. Well, just to the disclaimer sense of things, uh, just to throw this in here that uh, I, as was being published by Lineforge, and I, uh, the beat is also owned by uh, Syndicated Comics, a subsidiary of Lineforge. So you know, just to get all that out there. But I like to say I found this book before it was at Lineforge, and before I was owned by Lineforge, or my site was owned by Lineforge. So you know, it predates all that that relationship um, you know are you do you go to I see you, you met at cake um, and I'm always interested I think we talked uh, you know last time uh, about uh, you know kind of the intersection of media because you do so many different things and uh, you probably know like Silver Sprocket uh, yeah. which is publishes uh, some of Ben's books yeah. and, and we actually interviewed Avi on here because oh, cool. he comes from you know this also punk rock kind of uh, media mogul <laughs> I don't know, very modern yeah. media mogul background. But yeah, I mean, like, how do you see all of these? And Avi and I were saying about how comics are kind of like indie comics, kind of like indie singles now, you know? Mm, They're really like like that. Because especially at shows like Cake or Mocha or, or TCAF, I do see people kind of collecting these short comics in yeah. that way. I mean, I don't know, do you have any thoughts on all these colliding media and intersecting? Uh, yeah, you know? I don't know. I, I, I do come from that world. Um, and I... Yeah, I think that that, that that world is maybe almost the last bastion of like the tactile quality of comics collecting where, and there's also like such a mystique around some of these things because, you know, it kind of reminds me of the early days of like uh, heavy metal parking lot, like stuff right. like that where like you could only see it if like a friend of a friend of a friend had a, had a VHS copy of it so you could borrow it. So there's like right. this mystique around collecting these things that are really hard to come by. I think that's really cool and really exciting and I'm super excited that people are are doing stuff like that and paying yeah. attention to like the quality of the print like all the like Rezo stuff that people are doing yeah uh, it's really cool and exciting so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm super into people it. are definitely still into owning cool looking things yeah and it totally. does seem like like comics and you know even some smaller comics that have insane the beautiful production values yeah you know, yeah the, the resograft handmade stuff yeah but uh yeah those stuff definitely still seem to be fitting into the beautiful object category yeah totally and I love that kind of stuff actually with Upgrade Soul I'm talking with a record label in Chicago called FPE Records and they're gonna do um, hopefully a, a limited edition vinyl pressing of Upgrade Soul soundtrack that we did for oh, the app. Oh right, right, yeah, right. So it's gonna, we're gonna try to do like a limited edition mm -hmm. bundle with the album and the graphic novel. So it'll definitely have that appeal of like a you know a tactile beautiful right. art object. That right. Can collect. Yeah. Was there a whole score written for the whole yeah, thing? Yeah. Yeah. By. Uh, composer in, from Pittsburgh called uh, Alexis Gideon, who's right. like an amazing experimental hip-hop producer that I met and met and met. Oh, uh, well, definitely check that out. Um, I, I mean, do you see any, any, uh, there's a big announcement coming later today. By the time this comes out, people will know about it. So I'll, I, I'm not going to break my NDA, but, uh, you know, Comixology is announcing that they're doing a lot more original comics uh, today. Uh, but they're just traditional comics, but they're kind of distributed differently. But, uh, I mean, do you think that there's still a space for those kind of multimedia comics projects? I, absolutely. I, I think it's absolutely going to... I mean, you know, when I did Upgrade Soul, the interactive app, we had to cross so many hurdles to get people to try it out and, uh, and to discover it, mostly. So I think, like, once... Once more projects like that exist, I think there's going to be more of a demand for it right. because people can actually search for it. I think one of the big hurdles that we ran into, and I was just actually talking to Greg Pack, who did uh, Vision Machine, which is another uh, interactive comic right, that was right, amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. 
and he had a hard time finding an audience too, uh, is that when these projects come out, it's really hard to find other projects like right. it. And I think right. last time we talked, we talked about ScreenDiver.com, which is the mm -hmm. website yes, that I yes, did with yes, Submarine yeah. in Amsterdam. And so that website has grown over the past year mm -hmm. too, so it's a much more robust directory oh, of really? interactive comics. Yeah. So if, you go to, if you're interested in interactive comics, go to ScreenDiver.com and we've got a great compendium and breakdown of like, you know, I don't know how many comics are up there now, but like a great starting point. Oh, that's starting fantastic. I, I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to check it lately. Last year I tried to do a feature on the, my website that was called uh, Free Comics Every Day. And, uh, you know, I, I probably, me and my staff probably did it for a good six months that we did it every day. But then for the second half of the year, it might have been three times a week. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can, like, I, I did look at, uh, in Angoulême, for the, they, in the, the, the pubs that they give out, they have, like, experimental comics. And some of the stuff that's being done in France is, is insane. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they have this multi-plane animation and, yeah, you know, totally. for comics. Yeah, and, I mean, and like the delivery platform of, of a person's cell phone is like, everybody has a cell phone in their pocket. Right. And so like, if you can find a way to put comics on that device that everybody already has, I feel like that's going to be a huge thing. Right. I think uh, Stila was an app that was doing comics that, w that were actually made for the phone. And, and I think that's such a brilliant idea because like the panel structure is made for the phone. I think that's the main thing. I mean, I'm gonna like I'm getting all worked up now because oh, it's something I feel I passionate but about. But I, I know, but I, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm excited to find people who are still, or I say still, but uh, I think the time is still coming for this. I think so too. And I think the thing, I've talked to a lot of people that don't like to read comics online or on devices. And I think the, the consistent thing that everyone says about that experience is that they don't like the feel of something that was designed as a regular format print comic being reduced or crushed or like having the panels broken up and like a panel view thing. People don't like that if they're used to reading something right. in, in, in a print format. But I think if something is designed for the platform, it's right. like the Upgrade Soul app is undeniably a more immersive and like engrossing experience because it's got like you put your headphones on and like the panel transitions come on and there's a score that goes, that goes along with it and tracks with your progress and like it brings you into the world so intensely. Um, and yeah, and, and I think it works because it was designed for that platform. Right, right. Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's a David, the David Bowie exhibit is here right now, which is been traveling around and like they make you put on, like I went with my friends who are like huge David Bowie fans and then they were like, put on your headphones and uh, like you walk through the whole thing listening on the headphones. Yeah. So it's very hard to communicate with other people, but you know, talk about immersive. I yeah. mean, it is an inter interesting how these, you know, I hadn't been to anything like that that was quite so, um, you know, I like to make snarky comments to my friends. Uh -huh. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it is fascinating. There's definitely so much more that that's going to be done with all of this. And, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, we'll be seeing uh, some more of that from perhaps from you as yeah, well, yeah. and from other people that uh, you're uh, you know talking to. So, well, thank you so much, and do look for Upgrade Soul. Uh, I will plug 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 coming from Lion Ford in September. But I, I really do love this book. And uh, congratulations. So, awesome. Thank and you so we'll much. talk, check back with you sometime still in the future. That sounds great. Thanks so much. Okay. Well, welcome back. It's Heidi McDonald again with more to come. Uh, this time I am chatting with Dean Haspiel. Um, Dean is a legend of uh, cartooning here in New York. And you have a new book out from Image Comics, The Red Hook, right? Yes, I do. Uh, it's the print edition of a webcomic that I did for Line Webtoons uh, a year and a half ago. 
And, uh, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to have it in print. Mm-hmm. So I, as I was producing it for the, uh, the vertical scroll, uh, I'm sure you've, you've seen Line Webtoon. Mm-hmm. It's an yes. app that you can get on your phone for free right. and it has right. thousands of comics. Um, I, I was hoping, you know, eventually I would put it in print. I didn't know if it was going to be a self-published thing or go mm-hmm. to a publisher or whatever. Uh, and so I was producing it kind of like, uh, for print as well as web comics at the same time. Right, right. So, uh, so eventually, uh, now it's a book that's been, pu- that's published at Image Comics, which right. is fantastic. Well, let's, and it was like the third biggest comic book published. Right. Let's back up just a little bit though and talk about Line Webtoon. I know you have done web comics before. I know. I've and been doing web comics, you know, well, activate. Consciously, yes. since 2006, uh, oh, I... you know, on the live the live journal uh, blogging platform, uh, I was I was live journaling for a little while, and I started to realize that there were a lot of other cartoonists, you know, showing little sneak peeks or illustrations or whatever. And you know, this was a time when it was mostly just text based, right. but then we were figuring out how to you know show things as images. And finally, I I, I you know I approached a, a few cartoonists that were producing stuff regularly, and I said, you know, why don't we spark a webcomics collective, uh, and we do this on a regular basis, and that's what prompted Activate right, uh, in right. 2006, and we did that for a couple of years on LiveJournal, and then we transitioned to a proper website, uh, where it started with maybe like seven or eight cartoonists, it, it bloomed into 50 or more mm-hmm. at one point, and it was, uh, it got a little unwieldy because of that, you know, you start to realize as a curator and a kind of co-editor with a few other cartoonists, uh, that, you know, there's still a shy bunch here. <laughs> you know? It's well, weird. you know, it's people like, are like, yeah. are like horses. They're all very different, <laughs> even though they might be stamping around in their stable. It, basically, I mean, what, what you find out is even if they're producing the stuff, they're still shy to tell people about it. Mm-hmm. And I think because, uh, the internet provided more of an exposure, you know. Uh, you know, it, it changed the, the playing field in a lot of ways, and I think some people weren't prepared for that. Right. So you realize that you're kind of holding their hand, and then like, and trying to promote other people, and then it started to. I wasn't promoting myself as much, you know. Uh, and I, and years later, I'm now trying to refocus the lens on the work that I do because I was. For, for a long time mm-hmm. was curating, you know, not only for Activate, then I transitioned to something called Trip City, which is a Brooklyn filtered, you know, uh, salon, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, that I did with uh, Seth Kushner, Jeffy Buren, and Chris Miskevich. And then there were like, you know, then I worked for Zuda, you know, which was DC Comics. Oh, yes, of course. I, I'd forgotten you know? about Zuda, the long lost Zuda. What was the name of the strip you did for Zuda? So for Zuda, I did a comic called Street Code, which I then later published as Beef with Tomato via Alternative Comics. Right. Uh, and that was more of an autobio comic. I had pitched them, like, a few ideas, including Billy Dogma, which is a comic I've been, you know, dabbling with over my career, mm-hmm. uh, throughout my career, that is. And But they wanted something that was more, you know, uh, semi-autobiographical, more mm-hmm. memoir-based. And I said, sure. So actually what I did is I took a lot of my blog posts from LiveJournal uh, that wasn't comics, and I converted them into comics, right? And created this, this kind of loose narrative where the plot was essentially how I uh, moved from Brooklyn to—I'm sorry, from Manhattan to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were the first. You were the trailblazer. 
what one of them, and that's when Brooklyn was cheaper than Manhattan. Now it's the opposite. <laughs> it's Crazy. actually true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, with all of these. Uh, you know, there's various platforms, and Zuda, for those who don't know, was uh, was started by DC Comics. What year was it? It was like 2007 oh or 8. It's 10 years ago, 2008? Yeah, maybe, maybe 2009. Yeah, maybe right oh. around in there. But um, And it was quite controversial at the time uh, because mainstream publishers attempting to do their proprietary webcomics platform. They made it so much more complicated than it needed to be. It was all in Flash. and Well, you, it you was know, a little... Tra- it was... whatever. You know, every every other week now, we have a new tool, a new toy, right? right. Or whatever. It's like you're trying to keep up uh, with, with, with stuff, which is why after a while... Like, I would have been fine with Friendster and then MySpace. <laughs> Friendster. Remember Friendster? <laughs> yeah, I was fine Friendster. with Friendster. Then we went to MySpace, oh, and now we have... You know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and everything else. Uh, but and now when new stuff does come out, like what was that, Ella or a, mm-hmm. or something like that, like they, they kind of fade away because you know I think the bigger companies like Google and whatnot, and you know, are are starting to you know kind of glom on to each other because they've proven you know uh, that that these things do work, and you know people do love to post pictures of themselves every day. You know, and it becomes right. a, a completely different publishing platform. But yeah, no, I mean, with Zuda, I think what, what was interesting about it was that they were looking for cr- basically creator-owned material versus, you know, publishing uh, a Batman comic mm-hmm. online. You know, for right. and then they they did get to that later, right? You know, right. but I I was I was surprised that they started off with more of a kind of like a loosey goosey Vertigo model. You know, right. where it wasn't just you know, Sandman comics and, and some memoir, it was, it was like, you know, diverse, a lot of diverse type comics, which I thought was really cool. Remember Kwanzaa Johnson was yes, the, the editor of that. Yes, Kwanzaa. Know? I'm still friends with Kwanzaa, actually. And uh, he's back in the comic scene after taking a break with uh, his own right. series, Black. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just fascinating to see. And, I, I mean, of course, many, many web comics have millions of readers, and you know, it's really not that hard. It really does come down to content. Well, I, I guess what's content and consistency. Yes. I, I would hazard. I would, yes. I would say, you know, I think some people start off by going. Well, when someone asks me, Dean, how do I get into comics now? Is like, <laughs> do you have a phone? I mean, that's how you can get into comics, really, as long yeah. as you're producing material on a regular basis. But then what happens is, I think that because, like you said, there's thousands and thousands of comics online. And these aren't even competing with the print comics that come out on a Wednesday or in bookstores, you know? Right. It's like different animals in a lot of ways. I, I think that what happens is that uh, because, you know, you get like, I don't know, 10 of your friends to like what you're doing, and then after a while, they kind of like go away or they'll say, I'll catch up, I've missed the last three weeks, and you start to lose interest in your own work. I think that's what starts to happen for certain creators is that they're not getting – uh, that you know placebo effect, or, right. or it's almost like when your friend has a band and they're playing <laughs> right. six shows in the next two months. Right, you can't go to all six shows. Right, you know. Right, it's the same kind of idea. So I think what happens is that uh, a certain amount of creators just kind of like go away. You know, mm-hmm. as, as as easy as the entry fee is, which is just to produce. You know, after a while, it it, it can be disheartening because you're not getting kind of the traction numbers. That you know, hell, I would say I would say Batman, but no one's trying to compete with Batman right. or Spider Man. Right. But you know, whatever the popular web comics are today, you know, and that right. that actually keeps 
change it. Well, on Webtoon, but just to explain a little bit about Webtoon also, Line Webtoon, um, I mean, it is a, a U.S. subsidiary of a, a Korean company. And in Korea... Yeah, South Korea. Yeah, yeah. South Korea. Well, meanwhile, while, you know, the U.S. was uh, struggling with all these formats, in South Korea, for whatever reason, reading uh, comics on the phone is the primary means of reading comics. Right. And uh, I, I'm, I get... Um, different takes on whether in Japan it's also a very popular way to read comics. Obviously, they still have a huge print industry in Japan, a print manga industry. Right. But in Japan, in Korea, it's really kind of mutated or you know adapted into evolved is the word I'm really looking for. Evolved sure. into this kind of phone based and. On Webtoon, you can see how many likes, I believe, a comic has. So you kind of can get your own little rough metric of how, how... Well, what starts to happen is that... And actually, that metric isn't even totally correct either because there are a few metrics happening. There's like, you know, you can heart something like it, you know, whatever. Uh, you can respond to it. Uh, and then there are other certain metrics that aren't necessarily in that equation that, that the public is seeing. Right. Um but at the end of the day, the, the thing I, I don't necessarily love about certain webcomic web platforms is that it becomes a popularity contest. Right, right, right. You know, and if you can get a, a ton of people digging your wares, it has nothing to do with quality or anything. Mm. It's just, you know, if you have a good fan base, you know. Right. And, I mean, we have YouTube stars and Instagram stars now who are like 18 years old who are doing better than I have ever done or ever will do. Right, you know, right, but that right. doesn't that doesn't mean that I suck and or or and that they're better or vice versa. It's just different types of metrics and a different way of approaching this. Absolutely, stuff. you know, and I mean, you're right. It is important not to get into this kind of you know popularity contest that that you know will always lose to YouTube. Um, right. so, right. uh, but you know, would you go to YouTube? That was rhetorical. Um, let's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what? YouTube, I mean, listen, we become more image based mm -hmm. than ever yes, before. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we, 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 normally we would have been, you would have been sending me email questions and we, I'd be answering that. Now we can talk, you know, in a podcast, you know, and the next, what would be is that people don't want to listen to podcasts. They want to see it on YouTube. Although actually they'll just be listening to the YouTube to right. be, to be honest. Right. But, we're becoming more and more image-based. I mean, Instagram, I finally realized, wait a second, I'm not on Instagram? That's stupid. I draw things. I take pictures. I think I might have you know, told like, you that, Dean. Yeah, yeah, probably. And so I was like one of the last people to, or, you know, not one of the last people to join because people join every day, but one of the last people of my peers to join, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And I felt foolish, and now I'm trying to catch up to that, you know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, let's talk a little bit about the Red Hook. I mean, this is a superhero story, right. and uh, the Red Hook, for those of you who might not know, is a, uh, is a what would you call it, part of Brooklyn. Well, I can explain it pretty, sure. pretty simply. I, I know, I, I, I know. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, did you. No, no, that's okay. No, the Red Hook is, well, uh, the origin of the Red Hook really comes from a, a certain frustration, which I think a lot of creation comes from. Uh, but I was uh, accepted into a, an artist writer's residency called Yado mm -hmm. in Saratoga Springs, uh, New York in 2012. And uh, I was going in for writing only, and I was going to take a month off, a break from drawing. And But because I'm so used to do drawing or making comics like every day, I needed a creative palette cleanser uh, the first night I was there. So I decided to challenge myself because I didn't really have anything uh, in the docket, as it were. So I challenged myself and I thought, 
all right, what would it be like if Jack Kirby and Alex Toth collaborated on a new character? And that was <laughs> my little, you know. Right. And, and folks who don't know Jack Kirby, he co- co-created the Marvel Universe. He also created a lot of uh, DC characters that are being employed today in the cinematic universes. And then Alex Toth, who is just as great uh, an artist and creator as Jack Kirby in a lot of ways, or at least artistically, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't have the the accolades that he that Kirby has uh, because he didn't really create a lot of characters, but he was a, a an amazing storyteller and artist that a lot of people uh, admire and and try to use you know the way he uh, approaches storytelling. Anyway, with those those two two uh, of some of my favorite artists in mind. I created this character called the Red Hook, which is basically kind of a cross between um, Archie's The Fox, uh, Marvel's Daredevil, and DC's Wildcat. Right. Right? Kind of like a character that doesn't really have superpowers. And, and I had created a character called Billy Dogma in, in, the, the, in the mid-90s, but he was never really a superhero. He could do, uh, you know, super things once in a while, but it was more of like a weird romance comic. Mm-hmm. Versus me creating a character that was more superhero oriented, but I I thought wait wait a second he would probably be a thief and I didn't know why I thought that the clash between Kirby and Toth would actually create <laughs> a thief you know right. but that was my idea and so I created this character I did I, I wrote a six page story at Yato and I put it in a drawer mm-hmm. and then a, a few months later I was at another residency and I actually drew the damn thing and then uh, again I put it in a drawer. I had a nice, uh, a cool opportunity, I believe, in 2014 or 2015, I can't remember, uh, to pitch to Archie Comics to maybe do a short Fox comic, and I actually used that uh, Red Hook story as an audition. So it got me the gig to eventually write and draw two Fox miniseries with Mark Wade scripting mm-hmm. uh, for Archie Comics under the Red Circle... Uh, and then Dark Circle uh, uh, imprints. Um, so then at some point, I was talking to my then former studio mate, the late Seth Kushner, uh, about, uh, you know, collaborating on a, on a cool Brooklyn comic kind of anthology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had my red hook. He had uh, written this character called The Brooklyn Knight, and he, he had been auditioning artists and finally uh, uh, got Seamus Bial to collaborate with him. And, and little by small, we were kind of creating this little universe, but we didn't have a real hook for it yet. Mm-hmm. Give the pun. Um, right. I had a super thief. He had a guy that was kind of like a Peter Parker of Brooklyn with Superman powers in a way. Uh, and then one day, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but the Brooklyn Bridge, something weird happened. Uh, the American flags were replaced by white flags. Right, yes. And that happened about a week. And, and people were concerned, like, what, what does that mean? What's happening? Uh, and, and that week, I started thinking in my head, did Brooklyn give up? Is it waving <laughs> right flag? And part of that was just, you know, how you project things. And I think it was during a time when, you know, a lot of artists are losing their spaces. You know, it's becoming more difficult to be an artist in New York City, you know, especially in Brooklyn, even though we're you know, lousy with artists. There's a, you know, every, you know, throw a dart, you're going to hit an artist, right? Mm-hmm. But but it's becoming more and more expensive and, and, and we were losing our studio space and, you know, uh, friends of mine were having to move to other affordable states uh, like Krista Cassano moved to Philadelphia, you know, and other people were moving to other places or going back home or whatever. Now you can be able to afford 
a cheap studio space anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think that was part of what was informing my, was Brooklyn giving up? And with that in mind, I thought, oh, wait, Brooklyn's alive. <laughs> you know, maybe. It, so I, I went back to um, Seth, and this was also at a time when Vito Dosante, who's a comic book writer, was in our studio. And uh, we had concocted another character called the Purple Heart, but didn't do anything with that mm -hmm. either. Uh, and it started to kind of like gel. And I said to them, well, what if Brooklyn was alive, but her heart is broken? by the apathy and indifference of the world, and she decides to physically and literally secede from New York, ergo America, to form her own republic, where art can be bartered for food and services. A total fantasy, right? <laughs> right. Like, but although I have bartered certain services, like I did get a, uh, a what do you call it, uh, a root canal, uh, for a drawing. What? Anyway. Wow, I need a root canal, man. I, yeah. I need to learn how to draw. Of course, it takes a root canal. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, but anyway, so um, so I started to put this idea together. I was talking to Seth. I was talking to Vito. And at one point, Tom Akel, who was now working at Line Webtoon, approached me at a con and said and told me about the platform and, and asked me to pitch. Mm -hmm. So I pitched him a few ideas, and the one he liked was the Red Hook. Uh, and although I said to him, well, hold on a second. What if I pitch you three ideas? you know, uh -huh. uh, that surround the Red Hook, and it'll be this new Brooklyn idea. And so he really dug that. He liked the Brooklyn Knight. He liked what me and Vito uh, created for the Purple Heart, and we found uh, this great artist, Ricardo Venancio. And and we were able to launch this new Brooklyn kind of universe at Line Webtoon in 2016. And it started with the Red Hook. I believe the uh, second comic was the Purple Heart, and the third one was the Brooklyn Knight. Uh, this is for our special book expo, book con edition, uh, interview edition of uh, More to Come. So we're only going to talk, Dean, we really, you know, we can do like a full five-hour um, podcast with you. So uh, <laughs> it is true. So, but anyway, I just to, to finish up kind of with the story of the Red Then you, I know you, so you did the superhero kind of universe set in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn superhero universe. And then I know you did a sequel called War Cry, right? Yes. Are you War Cry just wrapped up recently? Right. And uh, that'll be the sequel to this. That'll be volume two. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, in about a year, will come out in print. And I'm really excited to have the uh, the Red Hook webcomic now put out in print form uh, for for other readers to read. Right. Um, are you working on any webcomics right now? Are, are you doing another sequel? Anything in the works? I, I guess you can say I, I, I'm technically uh, working on a third story right now in, in that Red Hook universe, you know, uh, that hasn't been uh, officially announced. Mm -hmm. It's kind of been technically announced. And I'm really excited to be working on what will be basically the trilogy of the Red Hook. Ah, okay. Well, there's certainly a lot more territory to be mined um, in, in Brooklyn and in your own, uh, you know, in this universe of the, of the superheroes. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I talked to Adam McGovern about a character called Aquaria that we've been working on. I've talked to Jeffy Burant about a character and Chris Miscavige. So it could expand and create and spark its own. I mean, part of what inspired me was Marvel in 1961 to 1963 so fertile you know mm -hmm. so many great ideas came in, in those couple of years mm -hmm. and and that's kind of uh, what I hope for 
I know it's it's a big ask, mm-hmm. but I do love creating and I love building out this this new Brooklyn universe. Right. Well, and uh, as well as your own, uh, you know, there's so much more we can talk about. Well, you know what? Let's get re. We're going to circle back with you, Dean. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks, and, Heidi. Uh, yeah, but anyway, check out the Red Hook. It's on sale now from Image, correct? That's right. At your local comic shop or at your local bookstore. And as usual, there will be more to come.